Good morning, everybody. This is Cruz Saunders, and I'm here with Lisa Welchman of Active Standards. She's the president of the Digital Governance Practice, and she is the author of Managing Chaos. We're at Information Development World, where Lisa just gave the keynote speech opening off the day, and she got everybody singing a rousing uh, round of Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Uh, Lisa, can you talk a little bit about the prism of that exercise? What what it kind of tells us about uh, collaboration within uh, within enterprises? Sure. Thanks a lot. Um, I think people don't really understand how much we have internalized standards and how effectively standards um, govern what we do. And so, having people, a group of a few hundred people, sit together and spontaneously sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" in a round. Um, it's just a symbolic of how easy it is to collaborate with one another spontaneously when there's standards in play. That's terrific. And you've been working with lots of organizations over many years on adopting uh, di new digital technologies as a part of their overall enterprises, not just marketing, not just IT, not just any particular silos. Um, can, can you give us a quick overview of some of the biggest challenges that organizations face when they're confronting uh, digital change? Uh, I think there's a couple of things, really. One of them is making sure that the overall organizational and business objectives are actually linked to what's happening online. So oftentimes um, there's a disconnect between the C-suite and what the business wants to do strategically and the types of applications, content, information, data, apps, social media moderation interactions, what gets put and is happening online. And so there's a gap between those two things, and it's often a challenge for people in middle management to pull those two together, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. But I think that's one of the key challenges. Um, and absent that strategic agenda, that leads to really the second pervasive problem, which is just kind of discord in the trenches. So there's a lot of um, non-synchronous behavior happening um, as it relates to content. And that makes it really hard to do some of the sexy things that we want to do, like multi-channel content delivery um, and uh, responsive design and things like that. Uh, you talked in your book some about uh, the organizations that are more successful. And you used the term digital progressive. And can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the culture in organizations that are either digitally progressive or more conservative and the difference between the two? Sure. A digital progressive is someone who is actually embracing digital channels and not just necessarily embracing them wholeheartedly, right? They're embracing them with a strategic objective in mind, right? And actually understanding and being open to altering their business, sometimes core aspects of their business, because of the advent of, of, of digital. So they're looking very openly at this new technology set, these new um, platforms and opportunities, and ingesting them. And so digitally progressive leaders are really um, going to be accepting of that. Conservative leaders are usually less likely to adopt um, a technology. And, but I don't want to make it seem as if it's a good or a bad thing. You can have a digitally conservative leader who might be slower in adopting new technology and they might be spot on, right? They might be working in a sector where their um, organization hasn't been 
as richly disrupted by digital. They might have a different set of business objectives. They might be um, late adopters or even laggards. Um, there might be fiscal reasons why they're conservative as well. So I think it's not really whether or not you are progressive or conservative. It's whether or not you're appropriately aggressive, I mean, appropriately progressive or appropriately conservative about the channel, um, about the digital channels based on what it is that you want to do. Okay. And, and what are you finding are some of the, the features of organizations that do a good job of bridging the gap? They've made the commitment, but they now need to start to develop organizational structures to sustain digital operations. What, what does that look like? So I'm not quite sure what you're asking, but I think if you're asking how someone sort of puts into place um, really clear governance mechanisms and operational mechanisms, they're really the four factors that I talked about this morning in the keynote and that I talk about extensively in the book, which is making sure you understand who's touching your digital channels, and that means understanding who's on your team right, in all aspects of that team, not just the super special ones in the centralized corporate department, but also the people who are more um, distributed throughout the organization and including any external vendors that you might have. And then once you understand the structure of the team, you also have to understand who on that team is being accountable for policies, who on that team is being accountable for making sure that there are standards in place, and probably most importantly, who's establishing that digital strategy overall. Okay. And, and so de defining the team is a big deal. And uh, when you're defining a team like that, what are some of the traits of digital leaders that are effective? Um, I'm not sure what you're asking. So with the actual, if you were to, to be, uh, if you're in a C-level position and you're needing to start to staff an organization and you're, you want to recruit in digital leaders. So we talked about this chief digital officer, sure. for example. Uh, what what are some of the traits uh, that you would look for in in candidates to lead digital initiatives? Ah, okay. Um, digital leaders are hard to find. I was just talking about this with someone yesterday. I think what you need first and foremost is someone who is sort of um, ego-free or can be ego-free in the environment. Obviously, strong leadership qualities, but also somebody who understands from a left brain and right brain perspective. So that's your IT side as well as your marketing communication side, what it is that digital can achieve, and they understand how it works. Um, I say ego-free because they need to be able to pull together disparate stakeholders inside the organization and make sure that they're all working well together. And that can, can be a challenge, right? They also need to be able to communicate effective to the executive suite because in order to do um, really strong initiatives um, or big initiatives inside the enterprise, you've really got to be able to sell it up into the executive suite so that it can be properly funded and enabled. Okay. And, and you talk about the bridging the gaps between organizational silos and uh, somebody needing to be able to uh, be ego-free to bridge those. In, in a lot of organizations, uh, we've seen a gap in particular between marketing and IT. Marketing has content strategists and, and, uh, and, and, and clear objectives for uh, customer experience, elements of the customer experience. They're depending on IT to help to manifest those and there's not a lot of good connective tissue between them. How do you help to solve some of those, that, that, those problems of connective tissue? 
Yeah, well, one aspect of the digital team that I didn't mention before is working groups and committees. And so one of the biggest challenges and that around digital is this horizontal collaboration, things that cut horizontally across the organization. And that's your whole online presence. So you've got these sort of silos of expertise, IT, um, marketing communications, and then actual business domain expertise out in the business departments or programs. And so actually pulling those things together is, is a real is a real challenge, which is why you really need to have three mechanisms of collaboration. One at the executive level to make sure that everything is properly enabled and funded at the top. One in the middles, which would be your sort of pure play digital experts from IT to marketing communications to domain expertise, knowledge expertise, policy standards, all of those um, areas need to be communicating in working groups um, for developing standards, for writing policies, and for just overall communications. And then a third level is really just sort of a community of practice for anyone who has an interest in digital inside an organization. And I think one of the things about digital right now is it's, it's still so relatively new in the enterprise. A lot of those mechanisms aren't in place, or if they are in place, they're in place fairly informally, and they're not well-funded and supported. I see. Yeah, and, and in the funding and supporting all starts at the top, ultimately, right? With boards and, and CEOs, COOs, or, or is this something that if you wanted to create uh, uh, a digitally progressive organization and you're a CMO, um, do you have the fiat to be able to move to move on your own? Uh, I mean, in, in what are you seeing are ways to, to involve the C-suite and get more funding for the the complexity of digital initiatives, which really do involve a whole enterprise, not just one group. And and, and you know, how how do how do folks in one group tow that that responsibility? Well, I think you do it with metrics and numbers. So. Um, I talk to a lot of executives in the work that I do, and I don't know any executive that would not effectively fund a program that would make money for the company. What usually happens, though, is people who are digital practitioners come to executives and they ask them for money for best practices, not for something that's actually going to create an actual business result. So I think the way to really integrate get that moving is for people who are digital practitioners in IT, marketing communications, content generators, to actually sort of mature their own practices and understand how the work that they do is actually going to make the company money and present that business case. Interesting. Yeah. One, one thought that has really been resurfacing for me recently is this idea that that content is actually a digital asset. I mean, it's a, it's a, it should be a balance sheet asset. It's not just a function of IT or marketing, that content and data assets should be on the balance sheet and therefore a part of the corporate wealth in the same way as intellectual property is and the same way as uh, goodwill. You know, there's, there's a lot of intangibles that are reflected on a balance sheet. And I think if corporate leaders understood that, we might start to see uh, more sponsorship. It, 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 do you think that there might be a world in which content assets start to get valued uh, in that way more? Well, there already is a world. I mean, there's the media, right? People have been owning content and information um, for a while, right? Um, there's magazines, there's newspapers, there's television. I think what you're talking about is the information that's in the enterprise, right? And so I think maybe looking at some of those models and understanding 
how they've managed that might be useful. But I also think that there's a sort of intangible quality to that. Um, I think what really might ought to be valued are the people who are able to orchestrate content and information such that it makes the company money. Right? That's the real. That's the real value there because the information will come and go and become more or less valuable depending on what an organization is trying to achieve. Something, the information that was on the books 20 years ago maybe not be, isn't valuable now, but the person who's actually able to find the information and position and structure the information so that it makes the, the company money, that's the asset. Wonderful. Okay, that, that's beautiful. And I love the idea of using a media company as the analogy. It seems like there's some uh, media company-like uh, effects of even corporate enterprises now where they're becoming media companies in a lot of ways creating and, and managing a lot of assets but that takes people and it takes organizational structures and standards um, can you talk a little bit about customer experience management um, particularly um, there's there's a lot of folks who are interested in personalization projects and and you talk about this some in your book um, but personalization is kind of tricky, and it usually involves uh, a lot of collaboration. Um, it, do you have any examples or stories from, uh, from what you've seen working within organizations about successful personalization initiatives and, uh, and what might have helped them to be successful? What are some of the, what are some of the things that have made um, customer experience management projects um, where targeted content is happening uh, successful? I mean, I don't run into those types of use cases intimately in the work that we do. And so, I mean, they're the obvious ones out in the world, the Amazons of the world. Um, I, I think, you know, there's some newspaper publishing models where they're pushing relevant content um, as well. But the case where I do see them in the enterprise actually is on the intranet, oh. right, with employees, right? So creating a, um, a, a portal or an interface for an employee to aggregate the information that's relevant to them inside. inside. So they're logging into their intranet and they're being able to access sort of their HR-related information, um, their benefits and those sorts of concerns, and also understanding where they fit organizationally and feeding the organizational news feeds and those sorts of things. But that's more has a less tangible result because the customer in this case is your internal employee. And so you're talking about um, helping getting to retain that employee. And in some um, sectors, re employee retention is a really big deal, right? Particularly in really competitive engineering types of environments. So I've seen some really progressive things happen in some organizations where they're really doing that on their intranet. Well, and I think this is actually a, an important reminder you're, you're bringing up, which is that di digital is m a lot more than just what we publish out to the world. It's also a reflection of the internal operations sure. of an organization. Sure. I think that that's true as well. And then there are other factors as well. Um, it's not just marketing. I mean, we talk about customer experience management. Oftentimes, there's a, this focus on marketing. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things going on in healthcare. Right, so wearable devices. I gave a talk at a conference once where they were talking about, you know, embedded heart monitors and mobile apps integrating with data that's that you know um, about how much you're exercising and your your heart rate or measuring your blood pressure. There's all these sort of more intimate types of 
of models that are less about, you know, I'm trying to get you to buy something and, and more about I'm actually trying to help you. I'm trying to keep you alive, right? So I think there are really a lot of robust use cases, and I think we're really very early on in understanding um, how we're going to use and leverage that technology. There's probably some emerging um, use cases in education as well. I, I love your long-term perspective at 20 plus years in the industry to see that we're really still at the early stages. I, I also want to make sure that our listeners understand the depth uh, that's reflected in Managing Chaos. Your book has a whole lot of case studies and I, I thought I found that very helpful to read just how many uh, uh, environments are, uh, are, are so uh, uh, messed up and and <laughs> and how they can be fixed that there is light at the end of the tunnel for organizations struggling with digital change and I thought that your, your book did a great job of, uh, of walking through that um, as we wrap up here can you give us any and uh, uh, our listeners any overview of, of your uh, of your book how to find it and and also uh, how to follow your work uh, on online sure well um I blog at activestandards.com, um, and you can find my book at digitalgovernance.com. I mean, I, I think I'd like to say in closing, um, just sort of reiterate what you said, which is, you know, um, this is really quite early. And I think that people, particularly those who are practitioners in this space, really underestimate the impact that they can have on what happens in the future. Um, I have a talk that I give around, we are the architects, and we really are architecting the information age right now. Right, and so um, using the excuse that the executive doesn't get it, um, and so therefore we can't do good work, isn't really a good one, I don't think. And so um, I hope that all of us who are working in this space now will just con continue to contribute in positive ways, and when we're looking back later on, be really proud of, of what it is that we've built. Wonderful note to end it on. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate your time at the end of, uh, of the show. And, uh, and, and good luck with the, all of the rest of your endeavors. I know we'll all be uh, interestedly uh, keeping, keeping tabs on what you do next. Thank you.